This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans. Hi everybody, welcome back to the pod. I hope everyone's had a very good week and hopefully this weekend the boys can finally put a smile back on our faces. So obviously a lot to discuss, but before we get into that, uh, Mr. Daniel, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Busy week? Uh, steady, steady, steady. Same, but same as normal, really. Yeah, but if anyone knew your schedule, mate, they'd be <laughs> in shock. I know I am. Um, so, yeah, anyway, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, we've got a special guest today again. Actually, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, might as well be. Andy Blinston, welcome back to the pod, mate. Thanks for having me back. I am shattered. Shattered. What, what, what have you done? Come on. So... Normally a working week for me is 30 hours and I'm currently on about 37, 38 as of three days in. I was so, going to say, you've got some warehouse workers thinking, come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, but the, I've, I've done warehouse work, but it's not compared to the heat of where I work. Well, at least you're not let, let anybody drown, I take it now. No, not yet. Not yet. This time <laughs> yet. This time yet. Um, all right, mate. Well, 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 taking a nap in his chair. I don't have a chair at work. That's the lucky thing. I have to stand up all day. Well, are you allowed back in the water yet? Or is your, or is your foot oh, yeah. still gangrene? I'm one of the best time swimmers at the water park, mate. One of the quickest well, there. There we go, mate. Well, when you go to Norwich, um, you can try and hope. Well, if you do fall in the ocean after a <laughs> bit of a, a drunken escapade, then you'll be all right. Um, anyway... Let's kind of break down, um, unfortunately, our back-to-back defeat at home. Um, I mean, I think we can all probably say that we kind of went into, you know, off the back of some positive results, we kind of went into these two home games thinking, okay, great, well, you know, we're if we can just get six points, worst case, four points, then we're going to set ourselves up really nicely, um, especially for a difficult trip to Norwich, which we'll come on to. But um, I don't think any of us really expected... Um, back-to-back defeats to be honest with you and I, I think Rotherham as we discussed the other week we won't go into but you can kind of understand that um, again at the same time Coventry disappointing uh, again given two shots and they score both of them is that a defensive error is that a team error well I'll let everyone else give their own opinions on that but um, Andy where did things go wrong for you against Coventry mate? 
It's not just where things went against Coventry. It's been a common problem this season. It's just that we can't finish our chances. Like, how many shots do we have against Rotherham? I know we're not analysing Rotherham. Was it 28 or 29? And we didn't yeah. score a single one? Something's Something's got to change and something has changed, which we might touch on, which is, you know, Ricardo Fuller coming back to the club to probably teach him how to score. But, you know... We we were the better team, two thirds of the possession, you know, similar amount of shots and everything, but double the amount of passes of commentary, and still we lose the game two 0 It 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 shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't. Is that is that down to to poor finishing, or are the chances that we're actually creating not clinical enough? Not not they're not clear cut chances, shall we say? I think it, you could you could say it's a bit of both. Obviously, Dwight Gale's come in and he's changed his play style. Um, so I'm not I'm not too worried about him, but Delat, for example, he's he scored one in is it 13 or 14 games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tyrese hasn't hit the standards that everyone expected of him. Obviously, he's been he's he's fit, he's quicker, he's fitter, but I I don't know what's what's gone on, but our finishing seems to be getting worse game on game. Actually, I won't, I won't give my opinion on that. I want to hear from Dan first. So, so Dan, um, anything to add from off the back of that? Do you think it's is it poor finishing? Um, is it bad luck? You know, are teams keeping us out? I mean, what 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 do you see as being the main problem, mate? Um, I, I don't know. Do you know? I mean, to go with stats and especially the XG stats that nobody likes. No, but um. If you have to look at the league table on XG chances created, we're actually fourth in the league. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we actually are 1.66 per game. So we create more and better chances than all but three other teams in this league on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So... Why aren't they being finished? Well, that would be the suggestion, wouldn't it? The issue must be in the finishing of those chances. Because they're getting into the positions, they're being fed into the right positions. But when it comes to that final piece of the jigsaw of putting them all in the net, that seems to be where it's fallen apart. If you're looking at that statistic anyway, that, that would that's what that would imply, surely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that you know you can call out. Maybe Tyrese for a couple of finishing on a couple of chances. Um, Delap, you can probably call out for a few chances as well. Now, I, I understand that Delap's young and he's learning, and you've got to accommodate for that. But at the same time, and that's maybe another reason why maybe the odd other youth players missing out. Neil really can't afford to to go too far down the youth and you know, compensate that way you know, for people who aren't experienced. I think we need. I think we do need experience in the team. I would be very tempted at this point to maybe give Jacob Brown um, a run out, maybe in in place of Delap, if I'm honest with you. Just see if Jacob can do it because we we've seen Jacob in that first season versus his second, and it was night and day. Uh, we all know that Jacob's fully capable of finishing. He can run the line just like Delap can. He can hold the ball up uh, as well. Um, so. I mean, are either of you boys in favour of dropping Delap for for Jacob or? Delap was dropped in the last game. The one team he came yeah, off the bench. Yeah. So I mean, consistently in... now, as in giving Jacob five, six, seven games run. So I suppose then you who's 
which one's been where, where are you playing him? I suppose is the first thing. Where, what position are you asking him to take up? Like a central role or a central role. Well, I mean, the good thing with him, he can play across. I mean, you could you could move Tyrese into more of the middle and have Jacob on the right, couldn't you? Yeah, you know, so, that, that that's another. So option. are you dropping Gale? Um, no, I'd, pro- I'd probably be going four three three, and I put put Gale on on the left hand side of the the front three. I don't think you can drop Gale. Um, well, I mean, again, I know you're saying, yeah, I know you're saying, <laughs> he's run into you, a problem you can, here. You can, you can keep working your way back. I mean, Powell's not getting on the pitch for me, so um, maybe again we have to go down. Maybe dropping Smallbone and giving Foster a free role. I, I don't know. I, again, I've not thought this through. This is literally on the hop. But uh, I mean, for me, you can't drop Gale, mate. I know he's not scored, but the creativity, his work ethic. It, <laughs> You can't drop him for me. It's strange, isn't it? A striker hasn't scored in 15. You, I feel like I can't drop him. Do you know what he's playing like? I mean, it's another modern term, but he's playing like a false nine, isn't he? Where he's mm. sort of down the middle, but he's he's sort of dropping into midfield, picking the ball up, and then the you know the wider players are sort of running on a bit, and they're the ones that he's sort of then looking to find, isn't he? Yeah. So. I, I wouldn't drop him either, by the way. I'm just saying, I think Gale, to me, I think Gale to lead the line is, is quite fine. I mean, I, the front three, I think, deserve another go, at least, you know, another game. I think Brown's got to, for me, he's got to wait and just pick his, you know, take his chance when it comes. But when's that going to be if you've got a, a, a front line <clears throat> that aren't scoring? I mean, how, how long do you wait? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd give him at least one more game. Um, okay. I'd say Norwich. Like I say, I give him Norwich. Um, would would he go past that? I don't know. Depends how they play. Depends how they perform. Um, depends what he's expecting from the next game as well. Because obviously, you know, Alex Neil likes to look at different teams. And look, you know, Jacob Brown's a different striker to Fosu to to Campbell to Gale. It, there could be games where Alex Neil looks to set strikers and goes. You will play well against their defense. You will play well against their defense, and so will you. And then there'll be other games where it'll be like, well, actually, you, you two, I don't think you're going to have an impact in this game. Your styles, but you know that your pace or your movements, I think that'll, you know, that, that'll work well in this match. So you yeah. could see, you could see him doing a bit of a horses for courses and a bit of a rotation going on. You know, going against who we're playing and you know what their strengths are and weaknesses are. You see, I'm not averse to having Gale leading the line. Obviously, I know it may mean a bit more of a change in formation or maybe a slight tweak. I think the thing for me, and that actually that brings really nicely onto a question I was going to ask both of you. Um, there's been calls about you know obviously time and coming back in. Understandably, you know he's he's lethal. Um, I think if Gale's leading the line, I'm all for for time and coming back, and I think he should anyway because. Uh, again, we, we've made our feelings about Fox in terms of... I mean, he's been doing great in fairness to the guy. You know, he's been steady. Um, but, I mean, do, do either of you bring time and straight back in and drop Fox? You've got to, haven't you? Do you remember when he came back against Hull? 3-0 win. He was influential in that game. And even though he will be playing more of a defensive role, I feel like he'll still get up and down that left flank, won't he? That's just yeah. the player he is. When he was at Hull, he played a normal left back, but... He's he's a player who seems to be you know like Ben Wilmot like um, who else we got Lewis Baker is one of those first names on the sheet. 
yeah, he is. But he's quality. You can't deny his quality, can you? I mean, the amount of goals. If we would have had, you know, the delivery that he gave us last season with the likes of, you know, potentially Gale and and obviously a fit Tyrese and a, you know, obviously a, a work ethic of, of of Delap and obviously his capability. I mean, we probably would have scored a hell of a lot more goals, to be honest. Um, but I think again, it's a different style of formation because obviously that was more of a wing back type situation for a, a large chunks of that. So. I mean, Dan, if, if you're bringing Timon back, are you switching formation and maybe bringing Taylor back and playing a back three? Or obviously, if Suter's fit, bringing him. I mean, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions there, but does does Timon play in that flat back four, or is he come back as a wing back? Uh, do you know what I watched more than Fox quite closely on Saturday, um, thinking that obviously Josh isn't going to be too far away, and yeah, he's been quite solid defensively, but when we are trying to build attacks. It's he stumbles, he fumbles over the ball. You know, there was like numerous times where he was taking a touch, he was getting closed down, he was he just looked nervy, looked like he didn't know what to do or didn't know you know what to do with the balls, his feet, uh who to what pass he should be making, what he should be looking for, how long he should hold on to it. And I thought to myself, you know what, this, when we're at home and we're trying to break teams down, it's stuff like that that really, really hinders it. Mm. And yeah, I thought we looked, we didn't look flat on Saturday. They looked leggy. You could tell they played three games in a week. And I know other teams have all played three in the week as well. But I think we played quite a consistent side as well. And I think, obviously, for 80, what, 84 minutes, 86 minutes on Tuesday night, they, they'd been going after Rotherham again and again and again. And the fact they didn't get anything from that game, I think, maybe had just deflated them a little. And now I can say, with Fox, when you look at that spark, I think if Timing's playing that position it, on Saturday, then when the ball comes to him, he's looking to do something, he, looks, he feels confident on the ball. Yeah. Jimmy, he, he's looking he's looking up when he gets it, he's not dilly-dallying on it, uh, he's making forceful passes, whereas Fox was the complete opposite, and I thought, yeah, he's, certain games, he's probably going to be the better option than Timon. Ironically, Norwich away might be one of them. <laughs> um, but for me, on the whole, especially at home, you would have to be getting Josh Timon in as soon as possible. And one thing I wanted to ask, and I think this was on the pre-show, kind of notes that we had um nick powell mate we've kind of briefly discussed him and i don't want to go into war and peace about nick powell because we, we've <laughs> said we, we've said a lot um and don't worry i mean this isn't i'm not all anti-nick Powell. absolutely not I, I've, I've just saying does he just coming in? no absolutely not mate no <laughs> no not not in any way but you know the question again is naturally a, a fit nick powell we know what he's capable of so do, does nick come back into the fold for any of you I thought of all the substitutes who come on, he was the only one who influenced the game slightly. Mm. And maybe if there was more happening around him, then we could have had something positive from that. But he looked to get involved. He looked like there was some nice touches. And I thought, yeah, he's, he's sort of getting... He looked like he could make an influence on a, on a game of football when, obviously, I don't think the others did for varying reasons. Obviously, you know, some coming back from injury, some just didn't come on and do anything but yeah for me I thought yeah there's glimpses there of what Nick Powell can do and obviously if we yeah if he can show a bit more of that then it won't be long before he's back in that team because I'm sure once he's fully fit and he's showing a little bit of form Alex Neal will be more than happy to stick his name on the team sheet 
Andy? I, I can't disagree with that. It's obviously one of them. If there was more happening, maybe we'd have seen more of what you know Nick Powell has to offer. But for the substitutes who came on against Coventry, none of them really seemed to influence the game all that much. I think if we give him a start and see what he can do and go from there, it, it might be one of those where you drop you know, small burn out and bring Powell in for the game. And if it's not working, you know, 60, 70 minutes, you swap it back. Yeah. Yeah. No, but fair enough. We, we've, we've got options, I suppose. It's better than having no options at all. Um, I mean, are, are either of you worried about our home form? Because we seem completely, I don't know, just to seem really inept at winning at home. Is I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily that the fans are a huge I mean, maybe they are a pressure. I guess you don't need you need to ask one of the players, I suppose. But I mean, you know, I'd say that the fans have been very supportive actually this season. So I question why we're struggling at home. Is it the way that we approach our home fixtures versus away? What what's what's really the main problem? Would you say, Dan? I think that maybe yeah, it, it is the way we like to play. I think we've had a long-standing issue with breaking teams down. Mm. I mean, we 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 called it, didn't we? On here, we we, we discussed before the Rotherham game, saying that these two will, these those two games, Rotherham and Coventry at home, would provide a very different test to what we've been, what we've sort of gained positive results from so far. So the good results, the good performances have all come either away from home or in the home game against Sheffield United, where we could play like an away side. And obviously Rotherham Coventry came with a game plan. I think Coventry executed it a lot better than Rotherham did. Uh, Rotherham gave us a lot of chances and we were you know, criminally unlucky not to win that. Whereas with Coventry, they came, they had a really good structure. They'd obviously got a team that's been together a while, a manager who's been there, you know, the longest serving manager in the league. So and I think some of them players have come up the divisions with them, they? so they know each yep. other and all that. And they looked organised. You could tell they knew that you know where each other were going to be and all that, and and I think we we struggled with that. We we don't we can't break teams down really. We've got, we've a long-standing problem with it. We really struggle when teams sit in. There's that spark that sort of you know we're very good at doing the workman like stuff and sort of like grinding and trudging and you know back to the wall defensive you know, but then. When it actually comes to being on the front foot, like saying having a bit of a bit of magic, do you know what I mean, to open a team up? Yeah, we haven't got many players. I think obviously Nick Powell being one of them. I think we were better for a spell last year when we had Powell and Vrancic on because I think he was he had that little he could see the passage that other players couldn't see. Do you know what I mean? And I think when obviously when Vrancic sort of his form dropped off, Powell's fitness went. Um we that's when we've really started struggling and it's as well. Uh, I think. I, yeah, I saw some calls for Vrancic um online. Do you think he would have made any difference? I, I don't think he would. I think he was over the hill personally. Um I will the one thing about Vrancic is if you have a look, he's not exactly been a mainstay in the uh Rieka team where he is on loan. And they're actually second from bottom in the creation uh, creation division, and he's not really, you know, cementing his place there. So, what that tells you, you know, 
it tells you a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It's one of them, though. He's probably on the wrong side of his career now, isn't he? He's just, yeah. he, he just wants to play football, and that was one of the offers, no doubt. So fair news to him. He's, he wants to play football. It's good enough. But yeah, I, I agree. I think we've got enough in the middle. I think I'd rather a Thompson um, over a Vrancic now, I think. Yeah, uh, I'd well. like, I, I think, yeah, with Thompson, I think he's got, for us, he's got that little bit of vision, anti Thompson. I think yeah. he's, he's, you know, able to create something. Um, maybe not to the levels of a Vrancic or a Powell, but he's, he's, he's no, like, um, he's not somebody who's, who's just a plodder or just a tackler or whatever. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's got a good eye for a pass. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Um, before we kind of move on to obviously hearing from, uh, of course, the Coventry camp, have you got any final observations about the game? Any, anyone else that stood out? Anyone who maybe needs a rest? Referee? Well, <laughs> have you seen? Uh, have you seen my tactical analysis of these of the first goal on Twitter? I'll be honest, mate. I haven't. I saw your message about having a look at it, and I haven't. So I'll hold my hands <laughs> up. Go on, go on. Give us some tactical tactical analysis then. So. If you want to look back, people, at the uh, the tweets that I found. So I took some screenshots, watched the goal back and froze it at certain points and took some, you know, took some screenshots and put them on and then sort of went through. And you can see with the first goal, so it's like the ball comes into midfield, there's no pressure, right? Small bones not switched on. The defence always in a good line, but Clark, he's obviously just come on empty for Sterling at half-time. Mm-hmm. And he's about two or three yards too wide, so he's left now. He's left Wilmot with a big gap between him and Wilmot. So the ball's then played inside. Smallbones not spotted that pass because he, he'd give the man on halfway loads of space, but it was like he could have closed him down at that point if he'd have been switched on. So the ball's then been played inside. <coughs> Sorry. Um, Josh Loren has totally just let his man run off, and Allen's actually the man who, who goes on and scores. So Loren's tied to his man. Next thing, the ball goes inside, and he just run. He just lets him run. Now the fact that it was controlled on the stretch, I think, didn't help our defence because you see them sort of lean forward as if they're gonna as if they're gonna squeeze, but then he controls it, and everyone sort of off sort of took a yard or a side. A step to the side, do you know what I mean? Because they've they've anticipated one thing and then on the stretch he's controlled it and they're like, oh right, okay, we'll now go this way. Um that he's looked the guy's looked up and Wilmot's got two plays, he's got one running at him and he's got one stud just in front. And he's got to decide what does he do. So obviously if Clark was further across, he could concentrate on the runner and let Clark take the striker who dropped off him a bit. Yeah. Wilmot fatally then steps inside anticipating the pass to the free man and as he stepped to his right and stepped inside obviously what he'd done is left a massive gap between him and Jagielka and the ball was played straight through the middle of him. Clark now switches on as to what the danger is and sprints back to make a tackle and is probably like a yard too late when he gets there um, and, and so if he was if basically if Clark was a bit inside further inside, I don't think that goal happens because I think the line's better and the decision-making isn't as, as sort of rushed for Wilmot. He's got more options because he's got Clark closer inside with him. Is that a bit of rustiness from Clark? 
it could be. It could just be like obviously he's not his position either. He's a centre mm. half, isn't he? Really, but um, Wilmot obviously is Aaron was. He stepped where he sort of hold his line, but you can also understand why he's done that. Um, yeah. And I think Basic as well. Basic, yeah, I think when the ball's travelled about thirty yards along the floor to the from when he's the midfielder's past it to when the guy takes because uh, lets it roll across his body and then sort of takes the shot. So it's, took, it's travelled about 30 yards across the floor and Bursic, when he hits it, is about six yards off his line. And you think to yourself, I'm sure, well, as soon as that pass has left his foot, he should have seen what was happening because it was blatantly obvious as soon as he left his foot, once he what was, yeah. you know, there was a massive gap between the defence. There was only one thing that was happening. It was that um, Alan was getting one-on-one with him. So he should have been straight off his line, you know, to narrow the angle, smother it, whatever. Um, so he wasn't, you know, that the, I think the only people, and obviously the midfield, Baker was behind the ball the entire time. So he was out of the game. Smallbone was just dilly-dallying, not picking anyone up. And Josh Loren just let him run off and didn't track him. So the midfield, all three of them were, you know, not, didn't cover themselves in glory. The only two people really who were sort of blameless was Jagielka and Fox. And that's because it was on the other, the other sort of half of, their, of the field. They did their job and they held a good line. That was it. I love yeah, it. You could find problems with all the midfield and two of the defence and the keeper in that goal. Well, if, mate, I tell you what, if Gary Neville's ever, ever needs a day off, there we well, go. Mon- Monday night football. That's where it is. That's, that's where it is. Yeah, well, I'm up for it, guys. I'll take the money. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you bloody will. Bye, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, mate. So, yeah, really, really interesting. Now I'm going, I'm going to go and have a look at them screenshots. So I was having a quick look as you were talking through then, but I'll have a proper look at them in a bit. So, yeah, really interesting, mate. Um, because that was new features coming on every, every week to this podcast. It's going to be about three hours long by the time we're done. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's let's move quickly on because I think we've covered um a good chunk of it. But we'll, we'll have a quick listen from Graham from the Sky Blues TV. Obviously, uh, we caught up with him previously uh, on the last pod just to preview the match. So uh, no doubt they were quite pleased with their win. Hi, my name's Graham from Sky Blues Fans TV. Here's my thoughts on Coventry City's 2-0 win away at Stoke. Uh, watch the game on a stream. Pretty much the standard template for the last five, six games we've played, not really much in the game, few chances uh, for the opposition. Our keeper, Ben Wilson, hasn't had really a lot to do, not really had any saves. The opposition were pretty much on top. Um, Cov struggled to keep possession, probably weren't as good as we have been. I thought actually a turning point was Dujon Sterling going off at half-time. I thought that was a massive attacking threat that Stoke lost. Uh, then we clicked into gear. It's a great passing move. I think it's something like 27 touches. I think almost all of our outfield players touch the ball by one or two. Um, Hamer has a moment of magic in his locker. It's a great pass through to Jamie Allen. Um, not really sure we meant to put it where he did. I think the, the Stoke player tackled him and he kind of just scooped it up and it went in. Um, it's a good, good, good goal. Um, Alan needs to get more goals. He doesn't score enough for us. And then um, still nothing really in the game. Stoke huffed and puffed a bit. Um, I think Tyrese Campbell got a bit of space and then hit a powder puff shot straight at Wilson. And then we broke um, with Hamer again. It's a great run. Good good move as well in the build-up. He's gone through. Could have easily gone down when he's fouled in the box, I think, by Wilmot. 
and then he just curled it into the top corner. It was a great finish. And a bit of magic, and he kind of owes us that performance after missing five games already this season for us. I was quite disappointed with Stoke, to be fair. Um, I'm not really sure what the plan is. They seem to lack a bit of creativity. I like some of the players you've got. Fosu looks decent. Um, Dujon Sterling's always impressed me when he's been at Carf. Lewis Baker I'm a massive fan of. I'd have loved to see him get to Carf City. Um, Torres Campbell I've always liked, but he looks out of form. Dwight Gale didn't really do anything. Nick Powell didn't do anything when he came on. Jacob Brown, I don't really know. I think he's coming back from injury. Uh, Liam Delap did nothing. I think bar the chance that Jagielka had, I thought we defended really well against the aerial onslaught. And yeah, Stoke just looked a bit toothless and probably in the nicest possible way. I think Stoke will kick on. I think Alex Neal's a very good manager. But yeah, it's a great away win for us. Plenty of positives and I think we'll kick on and hopefully we'll climb up the league table. Graham, thank you very much for the oversight, mate. Yeah, no doubt you you got you guys are pleased. Uh, to your chances. Um, so, you know, fair enough. We hopefully will live and learn and no doubt, mate, we will catch up with you <laughs> later on the season when we get some revenge anyway. Um Okay, okay. So, Dan, man of the match polls, mate. How are we looking? Uh, did the, I guess, Stewart and Block Nine might have been a contender for this this one? No, I think he was missing this week. He's not been not been nominated. Oh, he's gone on the sick, has he? Is, is he done an Andy? <laughs> gone missing. <laughs> he's gone missing. I am still here, you know. How are you? Sorry, mate. We, we, we're not we used to you, it. We, we thought you'd gone. We thought you'd gone by now. Poor Andy. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Go on, Dan. Carry on. Uh, One hundred and sixty-seven votes. The winner was Ben Wilmot. 45% of those votes went to him. Uh, I thought he was actually quite solid. I think, that obviously, I just Again. said he was slightly at fault for the first goal. But um, I think the first half, him and Josh Loren, I thought, were really standouts. Uh, I mean, great games. And ironically, it was them two who were probably involved in both the goals that we conceded. <laughs> um Loren probably be more culpable than Wilmoth on both occasions. Uh, second place was Tariq Fosu. And third place went to Sterling. So, yes, okay. he got third place with 5%. Fosu got 11 Uh Chris Johnson said Greenkeeper. So, I take it that was uh, the opposition. I don't know, green, Greenkeeper, was that the... the do you mean like the uh, Charlie Green Giant? Now. Groundsman. Oh, ground. Look at Jolly Green Giant for the sweet corner summit there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben Beardy says Gavin Ward. Oh, swearing there, Ben. Stop it. <laughs> you can tell he listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave Plant says Staff of Life. Sounds quite philosophical, that doesn't it? <laughs> what? The Staff of Life. And seventeen uh, percent of the vote went Keith James, the crowd for sitting and watching. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's true though, mate. I say I think the fans have been great this season so far, especially since Neil came in. To be honest, you know he's he's really um, I mean, you know, he's, he, I don't know, he's he's galvanised people a little bit more. He's got people believing a bit more. Hopefully, the results will come. So. Okay, any other interesting uh, selections from the Man of the Match poll? I mean, it sounds like you've got some interesting ones as it is. Uh, yeah, that was that was all. I was really. Every, everybody got a vote. And I thought, what I did think was, oh, that must be somebody I reckon who's just gone, can't choose one, so I just went through all of them. 
But actually, now they were all different people had voted, so somebody thought everyone was man of the match. <laughs> Good, lovely. Well, um, one thing we'll do before we move on to the the news for this week. So um, I'm sure everyone's kind of seen this flying around. Now I'll be I'll say that I've not checked it. Um, knowing one of you two, you might have done already. Uh, but everyone's probably seen by now a tweet from a, a Dr. Matt Swift. So an at M Swift 94, if you want to check out uh, yourself. So uh, it says, feel free to check yourself. But by my own calculations, Stokes record since relegation after conceding the first goal is played 83, won four, draw 19, lost 60. The four wins being Swansea away, Wigan at home, Huddersfield at home, and Huddersfield at home again the season after. Played 83, 1-4. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't hide that. That is just a shocking stat. What I need to weigh up is how good are we when we score the first goal. Now, we haven't, we've had, you know, we haven't had no wins since we got relegated in the last five years, have we? So, we must be really good at holding onto the lead when we score first. <laughs> That'd be the only, did... counter, the only counter I can say to it, but it's a shockingly bad statistic, isn't it, really? But when was the stat when we used to take the lead and we conceded 30 points from winning positions? Was that last that, season? That Russ, last how the hell have we stayed up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're no good when we're 1-0 up. We're no good when we're 1-0 down. No good when we're 3-0 up. Do you remember Cardiff? Yeah, very true. Mate. Basically, if, no, if Stoke are winning, it's never safe. Dan's removed it from his memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're never safe. We, we know that. Even if you, if you tunnel up at half time, you know the game ain't over with Stoke. And I wonder if other fans feel like that, whether it's just us. I don't know. Maybe we're in a little bubble and we think but, we're, the, we're special well, and we're not. I will say something about that stat. You can tell why everything goes so drab when we concede the first goal. Yeah, I people just know. By the groans, oh. It's just that, oh, we're, we're not going to recover this. We can't. We never do. Well, we, we need to sort that out quickly. Either don't concede first, or we need to find a way back. Um, maybe a, I don't know, psychologist or someone needs to come in and, and sort it out. Um, anyway, let, let's let's move swiftly on, boys. We've, we've been on this for a while. So, uh, news. There's been a little bit actually this week, um, and a couple. I think there's an extra poll I want to kind of catch up on. Uh, but let's start off um, with a few positives actually. So, uh, Suter. About I think it was another 70 odd minutes. I think in the tank. So really stepping up his his recovery. Um, and Andy, seeing as you weren't here last week, mate, I want to ask you the question that I asked uh, before. Go on then. Who does Suter replace? if he comes back in against Norwich or do we change formation and go to a three at the back again? It's tough because obviously with Suter, he's mainly played in the middle of a back three. Now, if we play a back two, I feel like him and Wilmot would be good, but we've also discussed maybe him and Jagielka could be good. It, it, it's, it's a tough one, but I feel like if we go for the wing back formation, you could potentially play him, you know, with Wilmot and then even Harry Clark. Because I feel like that back three could work. Yeah, I can see Clark. I mean, Dan, like Dan said he's a centre back, isn't he? And yeah. um, we got we got some choice. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not averse to going back to the wing backs. I've just got like I, I get a, a really nervous twitch every time I hear the the term fullback. Uh, you know, going, it going doesn't the sound right, does it? No, my 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 Michael Neil's just Neil's just basically 
destroyed that formation for me a little bit. Um, but I think we've got it. We're playing with a different energy now, in fairness. Yeah. Um, Dan, I mean, again, I won't ask you to comment too much on this, mate, because we've already discussed Suter last week. But um, is is there a scenario where Suter comes back in this weekend for you, or does he need another weekend, the under-21s? I'd, I'd probably imagine he may make the bench at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe another 10 minutes at the end or something. Yeah, or just, you know, he's there. And, but I suppose the manager's worry is, as a centre-half on the bench, generally, generally you're only coming on for injuries and obviously if that injury is in like the fifth minute does the manager feel he's got the 85 in him do you know what I mean mm. um, what I probably would say with Suter is I, I was on the same understanding as, as what Andy just said there and like you know he's predominantly played in a three but I was actually looking back at some of the games he played like a couple of years ago when he first came into the side and He's actually played 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1. It was only when Campbell got injured and then the following season we, we switched to the the fight. It was like that first like four months of last season, really, where we were playing the five at the back. Before that, we were playing like a, more, more often than not, we were playing a four. The occasional five, but mainly four. And I think... Because he's so, because he was so good at the start of last season, maybe that's why we sort of remember and associate him with being in that in that position. Yeah, but yeah, he can definitely play. He's definitely shown us that he can play it in about four. Yeah, interesting, mate. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him. I think it's going to be great to come back. He's going to get a good ovation. I'd like him to come back um, in a home match, personally, just to give him that boost that confidence boost that I'm sure he probably needs just to, to get comfortable. But it was, I think one was what was good was just to see him doing slide tackles, getting, his, getting stuck in, um, getting through those, which is one of them things. And it was under 21s. It's off, very often not really competitive football. You know, there's not much tackling that really goes on. Um, and then it's any great kind of, um, you know, momentum or anything like that. So good to see him back. Um, and I think speaking of academy, um, Ricardo Fuller made a surprise return uh, to, to the club. Now, I'm going to be controversial here, right? So, <laughs> I don't not intentionally. I, I, I don't know if I subconsciously try and intentionally be controversial on this part. I really, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Maybe I need a psychiatrist to see what I'm thinking. Um, You're not going to say you should be playing up front on Saturday, are you? Oh Christ, no! Put him in no, the no, team. No, no. no, my my thought process, and as soon as I saw. The picture of the four of them, um, obviously stood, stood next to each other in the, you know, in, in the tracksuit. So Stoke, Stoke players return, all that, all that business. My first thought was, okay, great to see him back. Is this more sentimental than them being good coaches? That's the only thing that crossed my mind. I understand the sen- sentimentality of it. I, I get it. Is it more down that route than them being excellent coaches and there's no one better for the job? Do you know what it is? They they can get the club. So they obviously they all played together, didn't they? And like Pulis and the yep. success that we had. And so they know. So right through from obviously Fuller's working with across all the age groups, isn't he? I mean, Dickinson's got one of the young sides. Danny Pugh's got one of the young sides. Uh, you've got Roy Delap there when they get to the first team. 
Um, who's the other coach? Lawrence. He, Liam Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes, of course, Liam Lawrence. He's got one of the young sides. So as they're coming through, they've got players who can then, you know, who can keep them players and make them understand what it is to play for Stoke City and put the right sort of mentality and ethos on them yeah. from a young age. You've got good professionals, and I think that can work wonders in, especially with young players. Making sure you've got, um, like, say, coaches who not just teach them the physical side, but also the mental side and and how to approach being a footballer, the professionalism of it, and, and, it. and what it means. And I think, like, you look at other clubs; they they've got former pros going right through in, in the academy and stuff. And I think that's something that we said we weren't tapping into. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, if this was the team of you know, 2017, 2018 or whatever, then and you're bringing five of them in, then you'd comp- well, that's completely wrong. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, why have you got Eric Chupa Motin in there, you know, and <laughs> Kevin Wimmer, <laughs> Ginelli and Bula? They aren't the players you are around. But you look back to that side, the next one for me, the one glaring miss, well, the two, I'd say, John Walters and Glenn Whelan. They'd yeah. be the other two, wouldn't they, who you would say, get that. Again, get the club and get it. But obviously, I mean, we as he, Whelan's actually doing some sort of first team coaching, isn't he, with um, League Wide at Bristol Rovers? With Joe, does he do that with Joe Barton, I believe? I believe they, so. I think I'm sure he's going into some sort of like a player coach role now there. But um, so obviously, whether I don't think you're going to get him to come to Stoke to do an academy role, or to probably have to be. Like a first team thing, if you wanted in the future, obviously to get him in, should a position come up. Um, but yeah, they are the two I'd say you again get the ethos and get that. You know, as long as they as long as they know what they do with the coaching, I think it's a good positive thing. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree, mate. Um, I think I think Ryan will find his way back here one day. I know he wants to be a manager. I get it. Um, I mean, maybe that—that that, for me, that's just written in the stars. I mean, maybe yeah. in a few years. You, I think actually, you, know, you might have said this a few weeks back. You know, when we've had a, got through another couple of managers uh, in, in the next two years, then may, maybe Ryan will have enough experience and he can come back and and manage. I mean, there's no guarantees Ryan will make a good manager, but if he does, you know, we know where a big chunk of his heart's going to be. So, yeah, it, it'd be interesting mate, to see how it all pans out, but. Uh, don't wrong. I, I, again, I, I said I was being controversial. Please do not take that as I don't want to see him in there, but absolutely <laughs> not. I think you're spot on. Attitudes, mentality, you will not fault that. No one who knows them players and knows what they did for the club. Every, everyone knows that their head's in the right place. Um, so, yeah, no, no qualms from me. Uh, I just wanted to throw an alternative opinion. Um, one other question I asked as well, and I'll get your boy's opinion in a sec, but obviously the Sentinel did an article about uh, obviously Alex Neal's 10-game ten uh, run, how it's been, whether it was good, whether it was bad. And I thought, you know, I'm actually going to steal that, so thank you very much. So I basically put a, a post out on the Facebook group and put a post out on Twitter, uh, exactly the same post, which basically says, as per the article in the Sentinel today, Alex Neal has 10 games as Stoke manager. Has he given you the confidence that given time, he's the right man to take us forward? The options were yes, undecided, and no. Now, um, 
pleased to say that it's resounding support for Alex Neal at this point. So if we take the Facebook group, for example, um, which again, if anyone hasn't joined it, just go to every step along the way on Facebook and you'll find it. Um, so we had no's was only 3%, which is good. 7% uh, are undecided and 88% are thinking that he's the right man to take us forward, which is positive. Uh, and very similar numbers on Twitter. Um, so there's about just around 200 people on Twitter who voted. Uh, so no was only 5%, which is obviously up, basically up from the 3% previously. Undecided was sitting at 23%, which is a bit of a jump from 7%. Um, and 73% of people said, yes, he's the right man to take us forward. Um, so I think I know your answers for these because you're, you're both quite positive people. Uh, I'm assuming that for you, you've seen enough that Alex Neal's the right man to take us forward. What the term taking us forward means is open to your interpretation. But are you feeling confident? I am. Like, for example, against Coventry and against Rotherham, when Michael O'Neill was in charge, everything would just sort of... Players would get abuse held out them, wouldn't they, no matter what they did. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we seem to be backing them to the last minute. And even though we lost against Coventry, they put in a good performance. Obviously, the chances weren't taken as much, but they were they were trying the best to do everything. They threw the kitchen sink against Rotherham, for example. And... I think the fans are understanding that, you know, the the players are trying. Um, the the play style has definitely changed from when Michael O'Neill was in. It seems a lot more positive, and everything seems to be going a step forward. Um, I mentioned it. I can't remember who it's to, but it just seems like half, if not three quarters, of the negativity we had in the club has just gone. Uh, I'd like to see what the th- what the three percent on Facebook and uh, so I can't remember how many it was on Twitter. Why they say no? Five percent. It was, I think, mate. Three uh, and five percent. Yeah, Stoke well, fans done. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd love to know what they were expecting the first ten games. Because let's face it, if everything was going well, then they wouldn't have sat the last guy in charge, would we? <laughs> is is that jerk reaction off the back of a couple of defeats? Did people just feel a bit deflated? Yeah, possibly. Um, but yeah, I think I, I've got full confidence. He's He's the right man for the job, and like I say, that's that's a change for me. It didn't take him long, but he did have to win me over when he first came in. Um, maybe I just saw him as like this dour Scotsman or something, you know, as well negative. But yeah, I think he's far from it. He gets his teams playing on the front foot, um, and obviously that's something we were sort of lacking. Well, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you can't argue. Yeah, we look to sort of take the game two teams now, and uh, yeah, that's something that I'll always be happy to see as long as we try to do that. I don't think he can have many complaints. I think he'll get the best out of players as well. Very good coach, very tactically aware, tactically fluid. Makes his subs makes not scared to make substitutions, not scared to change it no matter what time it is. Yeah, I'm happy. Good. Well, that's a unanimous uh, three of us with the same opinion there. Not overly surprised. I think to to say no after 10 surprises me why anyone would go for that. But you're entitled to your opinion. Um, so, Dan, we've got you've, you've been on the hunt again, mate. We've got quite a bit to, to run through, which I'm going to let you take over now, actually. So we've, we've, no doubt we've got, you know, the women's catch up. I know we've got uh, some audio from Blue Roberts on that one. But you've also got the under 18s, under 21s and a lonely catch up, mate. So you've been very busy this week. Yes, well, there seems to be plenty of goals around anyway for our uh, young sides this week. So, the under-21s, we mentioned that obviously Harry seems to play 70 minutes for them. 
They lost 3-2 at home to Sunderland. Um, so let's Fred Singh open the scoring. Sunderland scored three either side of half-time before a late K-Roll Reading goal gave us hope. Um, and do you know that Harry Suter, 70 minutes, that wasn't the only positive. Do you know what the other one was? Has anyone seen it? No, I probably have, but I don't know what you're going to say. Go on. <laughs> Emre Tesco played his first game of the season after three yeah. months out injured. Played the first 45. Did, did we ever actually find out what his injury was? Because it was always very hush-hush, wasn't it? Yeah, and this was this one from the Michael O'Neill tenure of telling us all the injuries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we still didn't know, did we? No. Uh, pa- patient confidentiality. He doesn't want us to know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the under-21s. Uh, this week, they've got a home game against Burnley, their final game in the Premier League Cup. Already out of it, but this is the final group game. That kicks off on Thursday, 7pm. So, by the time this is out, that will have been played. So, hopefully, we've got ending that campaign with a win before we travel to West Brom on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, Monday in a league game, 7pm kick-off away at West Brom. I suppose if Harry Suter's involved on Burnley at Thursday, that might tell us that he's not going to be involved at the weekend, would you suggest? I would have thought so, mate, yeah. Yeah, I think that'll probably give us an indication. Whether he plays or not on Thursday probably gives us an indication whether he'll be, you know, be, be in the squad on Saturday, doesn't it? Definitely. Um, as for the under-18s, well, they had a sort of a top-of-the-table clash with Liverpool away. Uh, Nathan Lowe and Ali Ali uh, both equalised after Liverpool had taken the lead before a late winner uh, saw us crash to another 3-2 defeat. So that's pair of 3-2 defeats for the under-18s and 21s. Uh, this week, they are away at Sunderland. So they're kicking off at the Academy of White on Saturday at 11 a.m. kickoff. So the women, so they lost 4-3 away at Huddersfield. So there's plenty of goals going in these games. There? There's no, <laughs> plenty of entertainment. Well, we're just coming out on the wrong side of all of them. Um, so, yeah, they lost 4-3 away at Huddersfield in what was a topsy-turvy game. And they don't have a game this weekend. So, uh, yeah, they're off. I uh, have a week off this week from uh, from league action anyway. So, I think Lou said that that was going to be a quite a a tricky game against Huddersfield. So 4-3, it's not that bad in anyone's book, really. I know you want to win, but it's no, not like not they were beating 4-0, was it? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, there's quite... I mean, obviously, I think all three all three games we mentioned there, I mean, Huddersfield went above us in the league, uh, as did Liverpool went above the under-18s. So, you know, they were both sort of, you know quite evenly matched in what start they had this season. Um, they were going to be like two you know, tough games both away. And then, I mean, even the under-21s, I mean, they lost to Sunderland at home, but Sunderland had six first-team players playing. So, do you know what I mean? It's not... It was like, a, it was like an old, good old-fashioned reserve game. Do you know what I mean? For Sunderland, they had, you know, back in... When we started watching football in the 90s, do you know what I mean? You had an actual reserve game, didn't you, where it was anyone who wasn't playing in the first-team that week. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so, you know to lose a young side, to lose 3-2... To a team you know, with half a dozen championship players in it isn't a bad result at all, really, I think. So, Liam McCarran joined the club from Leeds in the summer and then was, um, it's controversial the right word, it's controversial. He then loaned out to Port Vale for the, <laughs> uh, for the season. Well, he went injured, 
he's got himself fit and he's managed to force his way into the Port Vale side. And here is um, from the Vale and the Ale podcast. They're going to let us know how he's getting on so far. So here's what they've got to say. Hi, lads. Um, as asked, a bit of a review on Liam McCarran. Um, he's played two and a bit games for us now. You can tell that he's a young winger who isn't naturally a wing-back. He's very pacey. He likes to take his man on maybe one too many times. Um, and he's, he's looked a little bit out of his depth at, at times. We obviously haven't seen the best of him yet. And I'm not sure if we will at all because even when we've been rotating wing-backs, um, he hasn't really had that much of a look in. Um, started away at Derby. Um, got hooked at half-time. So, yeah, it's, it's not been the best of starts for him, although he did shine in the uh, pizza trophy um, away at Shrewsbury. He was, he was one of the better players there. So, who knows? The, 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 there's obviously a player there, but whether we'll see him um, is another thing. Cheers. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Always good to get the audio. And, um, yeah, obviously, uh, I believe he's obviously injured uh, again. Uh, so, a typical Stoke player. Uh, always gain injuries. Well, let's hope settling that comes back. In. And, yeah, settling <laughs> in. We, we, we've trained him well. Um, <laughs> we used up some of Vale's funds and everything. Just imagine, we're probably not even costing him any money for that. It's probably a free freebie just to see if he's good enough or not. Um, but yeah, obviously, good good luck to him anyway. Hopefully, he sorts himself out. Uh, and Dan, finally, before we move on to obviously Norwich uh, preview this weekend, you went to the uh, meet the player night, I believe. Uh, I, other than a couple of audio issues, which are with microphones, which I heard about, um, how was the actual night as a whole, mate? Yeah, it was quite good. Um, I got there just as it was starting. Narkinsley Cricket Club, so literally like a five minute walk from my house. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Tweet Fossu, uh, Ben Wilmot, and Jacob Brown were there. Uh, Jacob Brown was the only one with a really good mic. <laughs> Tweet Fossu was like whis- whispering into his microphone. It seemed he could hardly couldn't hear what he was saying. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was really good, enjoyable. Um, there was loads of the kids were queuing around the room for for autographs and pictures at the start. So you know that's that's always good to see into you know, the next generation of fans. Uh, I know my daughter I got home, my daughter was like, she was showing me all the pictures they'd put on the Snapchat and that of having the trainers signed by the Stoke players and all sorts. She was like, why, see, would you get, why would you get your trainers signed? <laughs> ask Andy. Andy, why would you get your trainers signed? I don't know about trainers, but I know about like, you know, Stoke shirts and that. I've never once asked anyone to sign trainers. I know <laughs> if I don't want to like dig into anyone, but you know kids who get like their arms signed. Yeah, we're going to chop your arm off or something. I don't get that. You're going to have to wash it at some point. I'm sorry. Well, no. Have you not seen that today the world's dirtiest man died? He hadn't had a bath for 70 years. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, I want to know where you find some of the stuff you you say. I've got a notification. (laughs) Check that man's blinking internet history. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it comes from from Sky News. (laughs) Bloody hell. Well done, mate. You made it to Sky News. Um, Big news. Let's move on quickly. Um, So, yeah, Norwich this weekend. Let's have a a quick look ahead to that one. See if uh, three points is on the cards or not. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Andy, yes. you are back, finally. We've had about six years' worth of no Andy stats. Oh, here we go. So, <laughs> you're going to keep getting this for at least a couple of weeks. So you might as well just I'll be having it for everyone I'm on. Oh, actually, um, just to point this out, Dan, we did uh, have a chat pre-recording. Uh, guess where Andy isn't going to be on Saturday evening. Uh, here doing a podcast. I am going Correct. to be back from Norwich. I mean, I did say you could do it on the coach and have a bit of, you know, put a bit of effort in, but no. I mean, if you really want to. you can Instead, you can do uh, your own praise and grumble on our Twitter feed. We'll that, let you. you know what? We've announced it now. Praise and grumble is coming in. There you go. Grumble. Look at that. <laughs> right, anyway. <laughs> Both of you... Do some stats. Now, I don't want to have stats for 17 minutes long. I know you like to do your research, but that's a bit too too long. So let's let us let us keep it quite concise. Uh, Andy, you go first, mate. I'll let, I'll let you start. All right. Norwich have won their last two league games against Stoke, but have never won three in a row against us. Uh, we don't know about winning three in a row anywhere, do we? So, <laughs> you know, could happen against us. Um, we've actually won two of our last seven away visits to Norwich. Um and the last time we visited there was a 4-1 loss. So, you know, not the best for us. Um, Norwich have lost their last two home championship matches, last losing more in a row, which would be three, at Carrow Road at this level in February 2006, um, which was under Nigel Worthington. Don't know if anybody knows who that manager is, but there you go. Well, you've um, played play for Stoke, so yeah. Oh, it, oh. <laughs> What is it with you and knowing everybody who's played for Stoke, Dan? I, mean, I used to watch him play for Stoke, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stoke have lost their last two games, obviously, when they failed to score in both. Um, we've had, I believe, 45 shots at goal in that time. And we haven't lost three in a row since February and March this year. Um, obviously, Alex Neal took charge of 96 league games as Norwich boss between January 2015 and March 2017. Only, And he's only won one of six league matches against Norwich since leaving and has already lost one this season for Sunderland back in August. Very nice, very nice, very concise, well done. Let's see if Dan can replicate that. Dan? So, <clears throat> are you ready? No, because the way you said <laughs> so sounds like you've got a lot written down. Deep breath here and Go. <laughs> Stoke and Norwich have met 57 times with 21 Stoke wins, 19 Norwich wins and 17 draws. At Norwich, Stoke have won just four times with 10 draws and 13 defeats. 
Oh. However, the interesting statistic is that all four victories for Stoke at Carrow Road have been by one goal to nil in 1975, 95, 2008 and 2020. Stoke have kept clean sheets in four of eight away games this season. Only Preston, with six, have more. Uh, whilst Norwich have two clean sheets in eight home games. Uh, we've scored in six of eight away games, whilst Norwich have scored in seven of eight home games. Uh, XG-wise, this should be seen because Stoke, Norwich are second with 1.93 goals a game and Stoke are fourth with 1.66 goals per game. Whilst defensively, Norwich are 10th and Stoke are 7th, which suggests that Stoke really, if they've got the 4th best attack and 7th best defence, shouldn't really be languishing in 19th place on the table, should we? <laughs> Welcome to the Championship. <laughs> uh, now, there's actually an interesting thing that I found that, that actually, it looks at all, combines all the statistics playing at home and all that to look at advantages, whether you have an advantage of playing at home. There are only six teams in the league who don't have an advantage when they're playing at home. If you know what I mean, they're not like better at home than they are away. We're dead, Norwich, definitely us. Norwich are one of them. Stoke are actually one of only three teams who are actually worse at home than they are away. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a bit tragic, really. Uh, Norwich are tenth in the home table, fourteen points from eight games. Stoke are seventh in the away table, eleven points from eight games. Baker, Taylor and Delap are all one booking off a suspension. And to finish off, the last 28 championship games that Timu Puki has scored in he have all been either wins or draws, dating back to the 13th of February 2019. That was the last time he scored in a game he lost in the championship. Mm, he likes scoring against us, if I remember rightly. He, he does. does. He loves it. So what we need to do is keep him quiet, because <laughs> when he scores, invariably Norwich don't lose, not at this level anyway. <laughs> nice one, thanks, Dan. Always good, mate. Yeah, you did. You did, both did a good job there. I'm going to call it a draw. I think you both did an excellent job this week. I don't think I've um, one of these. It's always been. I think I'll call it a draw. I think we'll call it a draw. <laughs> just, it's just a safe. But I, I can't really disappoint anyone then, can I? Um, Anyway, since they've been listening to you two ramble on, let's listen to a couple of other people. So um, we have the opposition audio, so we'll catch up with the Norwich camp uh, to see what they think about this weekend. Uh, I don't think they're going to be thinking overly confident this week. Um, and obviously we'll listen straight away to Graham McGarry's prediction. He always likes to back Stoke for a win. So let's see uh, if he's done the same again this week. Stoke come to Carrow Road at a really good time. I think for the Potters, given this might be the worst situation Norwich have been in for a long while, really. They're in really bad form. They've won one in eight games, and um, there's a big question over the future of their head coach, Dean Smith, who looks to be in real trouble heading into the weekend. Um, it looks like he's going to get the chance to face Stoke and to set a team up to play against them, but it feels very much like the fan base isn't particularly keen on him staying in post for much longer and if he isn't able to win at the weekend that pressure is probably going to double or triple on him so there's a lot riding on it for Norwich and I think they come up against difficult opposition in Alex Neil Stoke um, and this is probably pretty predictable from somebody that covers Norwich um, and you know I think you have to focus on that because Alex Neal is a proven operator across the Football League, especially in the Championship. Um, and Norwich fans have seen that firsthand, how tough to beat he can make his teams and 
how competitive he can make them and how um, good he is at setting teams up. So I don't think any Norwich fans are under any illusion that it's going to be easy for them facing Stoke this weekend. In fact, because of that form that I talked about, they're probably not feeling particularly confident. Um, if I had to, to give a prediction, I'd say one all. Um, I think Norwich probably will have enough technical quality and being at home, um, you'd expect them to dominate the ball. So I think they'll probably have enough to get a draw, but whether that's enough to, to keep Dean Smith in his position um, remains to be seen. I think the the bottom line is that, given this is a Stoke podcast, um, you should probably be feeling pretty confident because this this must be the best time to face Norwich for a really long time especially in the championship Hi there once again you Stoke City Potters predictors well a couple of home games didn't turn out the way that you would have liked and perhaps a trip on the road can ease a few nerves and Stoke can get back on winning ways but it is a tall order of course the next game they're heading down to Norfolk to Carra Road to take on the Norwich City side who themselves have slipped of late and at the moment a few points adrift of the automatic promotion places. But it's a hard place to go and they've got a passionate home crowd and Norwich will be desperate to get back on winning ways. But so will Stoke City and Alex Neal. He's got a few selection problems to think about before he names that team at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Let's hope he can get it right and let's hope Stoke can get another good positive result away from home. There'll be another good following for the mighty Reds. Let's see if they can produce a mighty performance. Tough game. Could go for a Norwich home win. Everybody will be doing that. But I'm going to say Stoke are going to frustrate a Norwich crowd. Norwich nil, Stoke nil. Cheers both. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, so Graham, nil nil. What the hell's wrong with you this week? Uh, yeah, it's boring boring, <laughs> boring. I think he's, he's one of them though, mate. In fairness to the guy, like I said, he, he backs Stoke to win every single week. Um, and it never comes true. Uh, so maybe he's gone for a nil-nil, a bit of reverse psychology. We're going to go and win three or four nil away and surprise everyone. Don't think so. Um, so, yeah, cheers, Graham. And obviously, yeah, thanks again for the, the audio as well from the Norwich camp. It's, obviously, we'll catch up with you after, uh, obviously, full time. See uh, if your views have changed. But I'm, I don't know, I'm feeling relatively confident. But before we get into team selections and predictions, uh, Dan, the ref, I believe, has been announced for this weekend. It is. So it's Keith Stroud. Now, if Graham thinks it might be a boring game, they'll know. Uh, this referee would indicate that it's going to be anything but. In 10 games this season in the Championship, he has shown 54 yellows, two reds, and awarded a penalty. So, okay. yes, it's uh, those seem like rather large figures to me. Uh, he refed our 2-0 opening day gloss at Millwall. And he oversaw Norwich's 2-1 away win at Birmingham in August. So those are the two games he's had with the sides on display on Saturday. So one apiece, both at the start of the season. In total, he's refereed Norwich 13 times, five wins, one loss, seven draws. But funny, quite strangely, he's not refereed Norwich nine times at home. They've only won once, lost once, and all seven of those draws have been in games where Norwich have been at home. So he likes basically to have a Norwich draw when he rests down there. Maybe he resents them for the long journey to get there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, in his career, he's refereed Stoke seven times, two wins, two defeats, three draws. Okay, so no particularly advantage by the sound of it. It's just 
bit of a steady Eddie, which it's not was it it's not Gavin Ward, is it? So Bang on the draw, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, lovely. Good to know. Um Mr. Daniel, team selection for this weekend, mate. Are we thinking any dramatic changes as far as you're concerned or um right, so I think obviously for me, we've got Timu Puki is sort of movement in an, in the box and also is sort of runs off for through balls. That seems to be like the the main thing for Norwich, doesn't it? Like it's yeah. when you get he, he seems to be one of them strikers who can just find a yard of space in, in the in the penalty area. And then his other strength, like I say, is like them through balls, he knows how to time his run just well, and then when he's one on one, he's a good for you, know, he finishes well. So I would say Jagielka needs to stay in over somebody like a Flint because I think he's got he's cleverer at movement his movements cleverer and also he's more physically able to sort of move himself around as well. Personally, I think if Flint goes in there, Pookie will have a field day. He'll love playing against him. That would be my that would be my thought on it anyway. Um, obviously we've got we've got Sergeant in there who's just as dangerous this season as well. But yeah, I think if you can cut the supply to Pookie, I think that's the main thing. So Baker Loran, they're gonna have a tough job. And I would stick Thompson in the midfield for Smallbone. Um I think he offers more protection. And like I say, he can try and cut that supply down. Um more protection, more discipline in midfield. Um, but obviously as well, he is able to pick a pass as well. And then obviously if we is that we fall behind, we've got a small bone, we've got Powell on the bench who we can try and bring on, you know, to try and help attack and get us back into the game if needed. Um but yeah, I think the Preston Sheffield United blueprint, sit back, protect the back four, use Fosu and Ty's pace. That'd be my that'd be my um sort of game plan, you know, that'd be how I want to play. Uh, Morgan Fox, I think, you know, if timing's fit. He may just keep his place this week because his main job is going to be defending, at least from the first whistle. You know, obviously with the game, whilst the game's nil nil or you know we're level or in front, his his main job's going to be in in defence. So I think he keeps his place for that. Um, one thing I would say is Angus Gunn is playing for yeah. Norwich now, and I don't think he really ever covered himself in glory at Stoke, did he? So it'll be interesting, you know. Have our strikers. I mean, obviously, we've only got Ty there, haven't we? Really, who was there when uh, Ty and probably Brown? Yeah, Brown was there, wasn't he? When yeah, Brown when, uh, was there. Gun was there. So maybe if there's anything they've picked up in training, any weakness, you know, diving to the left, diving to the right, or you know, claiming crosses, anything they know. Never know. Something like that can always be helpful to pass on, can't it? <laughs> so, Andy. Um... Your team, mate, what, what are we going for this weekend? I don't want to change it around too much. Reason being is that I think that's how Alex Neal works. He likes a group of players and he wants them to work together. Now, like I've said, I'm going to bring Powell in for Smallbone just because I think Powell needs, you know, the minutes in him. Um, with Jacob Brown, where do we play him? Like we've discussed, I'd love to, you know, take Gale out, but then his game's played. Do I take Tyrese out? I don't think so. Do I take Fosu out? No. And this this is the dilemma we've got. And who 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 do you sacrifice? Um, maybe 
maybe you do have to sacrifice Ty. So I'd love to see Brown come in, you know, anywhere that fits. But I'm not really changing it too much from that Coventry side. Um, maybe Flink coming in for Jagielka. Obviously, with Jagielka being 40, you, you've got to look out. You've got to look out for these pensioners. But um, <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm joking. He's, he's he's actually playing like he's 20 years old. I was going to say, he won't thank you for that. But No, he's playing like he's 20, isn't he? But yeah. um, like I've said, maybe Brown in for Campbell and maybe a Flint in for Jagielka. But and obviously, I want the main change of Smallbone with Powell coming in. But other than that, I can't really see too much being changed. And that's what I'm going for. Okay, lovely. Um, yeah, mate, I, I must admit, me and you are on the same page there. Uh, I wouldn't really make any other dramatic changes other than those. Um, I mean, Dan, in terms of uh, score predictions, mate, what are we going for? Look at the game on paper and you think, like, it's straight away, like, fearful, like Norwich away. Norwich away, you know, really tough, tough place. They're always strong. And then... Uh, the more I've sort of looked into it and the more I see of Norwich's form, you, you delve into that and you think, actually, these really are beatable this weekend. There's nothing really, should be, especially without we are playing away. So I am fully confident going to go for a 2 1 win. Yeah, mate, 2 uh, 1's mine as well. Andy? I'm going to have a sneak at 1 0. Keep it with the tradition. Okay, let's go a bit more interesting. Who's going to score? I'm going to go. Dwight Gale. Oh, I was be... just about to say, don't say Gale, because whenever we've <laughs> said that, he never does. But if we keep saying it, mate, it sounds like we know what we're on about. If he doesn't and, score and... a goal all season, we know why. Yeah, Dan's oh. What has he had about 45 games since he last scored? Not quite that many, but, you know. Yeah, I'm sure I'll, it is. I like the enthusiasm. I'm sure it is. If you look at his... Like, oh, the end in, of his... in all competitions. If you look at the end of his time at Newcastle... I'm sure it was like 30 odd games at Newcastle since he last scored. Oh, and he's played 14 hell. times for us now. No. <laughs> okay, don't. well, I'm going to make it a bit more fa- you know, fairy tale. It's going to be 1 1. We're going to get a corner at the end of the match. On comes Harry Souter. First touch of the ball, header, bottom corner, stoke three points. Okay. I thought you were, I thought you were going to like replay the. Um... The Solskjaer winner for Man United in the, in the <laughs> European Cup final. He comes on, header, and there's Dwight Gale to <laughs> just <laughs> deflect it in. Off his backside, doing do an Ulara, yeah? <laughs> I, 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 I think he'd take that right now. I don't think he'd care. <laughs> I think anyone would take however they go in, as long as they go in. Um, yeah. And just, I mean, this has been quite a long one, uh, I've got a feeling. So, um, Dan, let's move very, very swiftly on to the last couple of bits, mate. Um, Super 6, now, uh, hmm, a little bit better for me this week uh, after having a very couple of disastrous weeks. Uh, so I'm in 57th place with 126 points. Not great, but after 106, I suppose it's not too bad. Um, Andy, you're still up there, mate. You, I think you were 10th at one point. You're now 40th. So. I mean, I did miss out this midweek and I've had a terrible run of games. Well, Makes it having a lot of sharing up things, aren't you? <laughs> oh, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm just going now. I'm leaving. It's okay, mate. We won't notice. <laughs> sorry, Andy. Sorry, Andy. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. We do love you, really. Uh, uh, Dan, um, 86th, mate, with 87 points. 
So you've moved up from 105th steadily. Uh, I think the one place you are beating us, I'm sure, is Gaffer. Um, I'm yeah, it, sure do, it does help that I've started doing my Super Six. <laughs> I'm sixteenth. I'm sixteenth in this round. I was sixth in the last round. I'm go. I'm coming up now. <laughs> so this is remembering to do it. Yeah, I know well, it's amazing. So giving Gaffer, us a good spanking, though, mate. Actually, just very quickly, Matthew Robinson's top 170 points. Uh, Luke Jones and Nick Green have been very closely behind for pretty much all the season. Uh, either way, they've been switching positions, but they're literally a couple of points behind. So once again, you know, come the next round, it could all change. Yes, over well, to you for Gaffer. So we're at first place, Stoke Gaffer with one, two, four, five. Jake Curran with one, two, one, four is in second. And third, a name we don't want to be seeing or we don't want to be having a blinder, oh. Pookie Blinder. I knew that was coming. One one five one is in third. Um, Mike, you are in thirty third with eight hundred and fifty four. Andy, you are thirty first with eight hundred and sixty three. Oh, just ahead of you, Mike. And I am twenty sixth with eight hundred and eighty nine points. Uh-huh. It's interesting though. We're, we're not. We're literally all in that same vicinity, aren't we? We have yeah. been all season. Do we love that we were giving Dan stick for being behind us and, well, now he's putting us to shame? Well, yeah, he's still thought... behind on uh, Super 6, mate. That's our only saving grace, really. We need to just keep that up because I think, you know, we know there's a punishment which is going to a veil match, but I think whoever finishes second to last also has to go with Dan. I oh, here we go. On, I think that's only fair. <laughs> you can't expect him to go on his own there or whoever goes on their own. That's a bit unfair. So Right, let's get on with this quiz now. Oh, God. Right, so I thought the the quiz I was doing before, it was a bit too easy, wasn't it? It was difficult to get players. It was difficult to get players who hadn't played, like, three games for one club and 260 for the other. (laughs) Mate, I was living really well. I got, like, nine or eight or something last week. I was really on a roll, and are you going to change it again? So what I've done is I've, I've sort of tried to go half and half, mixed it up a bit. So Adiakin Bailly played 58 times for Norwich did he play more or less for Stoke so I'm not I'm actually giving you the, the number of games he played for Norwich there aren't I as well so I'm giving you more help this question number one I can buy 58 games for Norwich did he play more or less for Stoke I reckon there's not going to be I got famous last words too much in it um there is not too much in it at all I'm gonna I've got a feeling he didn't play that many games for us, so I'm going to say he played more for Norwich. He played 66 times for Stoke, so just eight more games for Stoke than Norwich. Wow. But it was tight. So, number two, Mike Sheeran, run, 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 the Sheeran, run. Sheeran, run, 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 run. Scored 39 goals in 76 games for Stoke after moving from Norwich. But which striker moved the other way in the swap deal that brought him to the club? Oh, um, hell, Dan. I forgot how tough your quiz is, though. No, I, 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 think, I think I know this. I swear I was talking. Um, It was, oh, it was bloody Keith Scott. Yes, it was bloody yeah. Keith. That was the right thing as well. Bloody Keith Scott. <laughs> bloody Keith Scott. Andy, you never had the pleasure of watching. I can Keith still Scott. say it. <laughs> you never had the pleasure of watching uh, Keith Scott. You got away with that one. 
not the greatest person to ever pull on the red and white stripes. <laughs> he was a professional say? footballer. Was a bit of an embarrassment at times. Well, I've just said, is it like if you put me on the football pitch? Mate, he literally scored a couple of goals. I don't think he barely scored anything for us. Like he, he just... missed some absolute setters, didn't he? Yeah. Oh dear. Um, question number three: Name the three managers who have managed both Stoke and Norwich. Alex Mill. Yes, that's that's the obvious one. Mark Hughes didn't. Um, so you get a point for each. Else. Bloody hell. Mm. I'm trying to think of. I was like, a oh, Pulis? No, yeah, no, Pulis. No, Pulis didn't. Pulis managed no, people like. Middlesbrough. So. Bloody hell. One, you'll probably kick yourself for when you Paul Lambert. say it. Paul oh yeah. yes. I swear we bought him in from Norwich, didn't we, or Aston Villa? We didn't buy him in from anywhere. He was the job well and truly you know, un- I mean. He was well and truly unemployed when we when we took him in. Yeah. I was, I, no. 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 Um, this one though. It's a tough one. If you haven't got any idea, I, I wouldn't. Why? Well, if you don't know it, you probably won't get it. Oh God. See, the first name that come to me, and I think only because I think we mentioned him here, was Nigel Worthington, but I don't think he ever... I don't think hey, he He did. played for Stoke, but he never managed yeah. Stoke. I was thinking maybe he was like a caretaker manager or something for a while that I'd missed. Or... Okay, no, I, I give up on this one. Uh, Gary Gary Megson. Who? Oh, Megson. Who? <laughs> Just wash your mouth out. Sorry. I, he got I'm wrongly a, sacked I'm after about three weeks. I'm baby. <laughs> You've got to remember this. Well, you say you say wrongly sacked. I mean, he did, wow. we did bring good John in. He brought good times. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, uh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, unfortunately. Here's uh, a question: for you. How old is Gary Megson right now? Ninety-two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Then <laughs> didn't he come back to the club with Pulis as well for a short? So I'm sure he was. He's like, an assistant manager, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm sure he was one of Pulis's many assistants. <laughs> uh, question number four. Carlo Nash was a Premier League player between 2007 and 2014 for Wigan, Stoke and Norwich. How many Premier League appearances did he make in that time? Surely it was none. Oh I was going to say, I think... It has he... to be none. It was like a fourth choice for us, wasn't he? I was going to say, I'm trying to think of the, the, the goalkeeping orders and I don't know, he would have played in... Did he even play in the cup? Probably didn't either. No, I'm going to say, yeah, go. Let's, let's go non. Let's go non. So, yeah, seven seasons as a Premier League player for Wigan, Stoke and Norwich consecutively, zero games. Imagine how <laughs> that must make you feel as a player, though. <laughs> uh, oh, I will mention one quick thing, which is off topic. Do you remember when you mentioned about when will Adam Davies play for Sheffield United? Has he done it? Well, well where's Fodderham got sent off, didn't he? Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. So that means Adam Davies will officially make his debut. Let's get us injured in training. Oh, don't start this, Dan. And do you know where Carlo Nash is now? Isn't he like a coach at like Salford or something? At uh, Paul Vale. Oh, yeah, he's Vale's uh... coaching. Mm. So, four out of six you've got so far. So, question four out of six. Here's question number five. 
Um, Daryl Russell sandwiched a spell at Stoke between two for Norwich. Cash was exchanged when both when he joined Stoke and he ret- and when he returned to Norwich. But who paid more? Did Stoke pay more when they signed him, or did Norwich pay more when they signed him back? Um, I would say. Oh. We didn't. We didn't pay ha- much. Who would have had more money at this point? Well, we 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 you did. Know, I this, thought you were going is... to say then. I thought he was going to say. Question is, who is Daryl Russell? <laughs> no, I know who Daryl Russell is. I know that name. <laughs> no, because he, he basically and he did he did better for us, mate. So we signed him for peanuts. Yeah. I remember it was about a hundred odd thousand, and he actually did all right for us. And I swear he went for more money. So was it was the if question? Done bits. It would have been who bought them for more. I was going Norwich. to say, so who brought them for more? Well, I'd say that You're Norwich paid more 000. than we did. Yeah, Norwich. It would have if been. You, it was there or thereabouts, good, mate. Because be. I used to really like Daryl Russell. He was a bit of a. I don't know. He was an engine. Yeah, he was. He a box was. to box, box to box player. He was. Proper midfielder. Yeah, Norwich, mate. They paid more. I'm sure. Yeah, it's got to be. So Stoke signed him from Norwich for a hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds, and they sold his money. Sold him back to Norwich for six hundred thousand pounds. There you go. Which was actually reduced to four hundred and ten once we took off their sell-on clause that they ended up paying themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Um, So yes, it was you correct. So question number six: Peter Thorne played thirty-six second-tier games for both clubs. Did he score more goals in the second tier for Stoke or Norwich? Um, well, I'm pretty confident because he used to love Peter Thorne. He scored more for Stoke than he did for Norwich. I'm pretty confident, I think. He's not there for top scorers for us, didn't he? He is, so, mate. He's, yeah. So Peter Thorne played one season for Stoke in the second tier. His Ooh. first for the club. We got relegated. And in his 36 games, are you want to guess how many goals he scored? Off top it's of your head, quick. Is it Mitrovic uh, numbers? 20. <laughs> Bear in mind, we got relegated. <laughs> he hit 12. 12. Which isn't bad for a relegated team. But in his 36 championship games for not Norwich, he scored a once. Oh, wow. Great. Is yep. that what Gail's going to do for us? <laughs> <laughs> Question number seven. Which striker scored the winner in Stoke's 1-0 win at Norwich in 2008 on their way to promotion? 2008. Striker. Striker. We had Fuller in that team, didn't we? Yes. I wish I could have played up. Oh, it wouldn't have been Mama, would it? Mama Dissadini. Actually, no, because I swear swear Mama uh, got two against Bristol. He doubled his tally for the season. I'm when thinking he here, what forwards do we have? Obviously, Sadibi, Fuller. It was Fuller and, 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 and Mama that played together almost religiously. I think I we just go for Mama. Go, go, go. go bold with it. Go bold. Go, go Mama. Go on. With a towering header, which I believe from memory was from a corner, Mama Di Sadibi scored the only goal of the game. Yes. See, you can trust me sometimes, Mike. I'd, well, I, I did say Mama, but go on, okay, come, I'll give you that. And you've done quite well here. You've got three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nice. No, seven, so seven out of nine. This is for number ten. This is for the tenth point. 
of the event point of the quiz, you can chance to get eight out of ten. Whose ground is bigger? Norwich's or Stoke's? Ours, surely. Thinking now, Carrow Road. I think ours no. is, but it ours probably will be. only because of the extent near the corner we've had filled yeah, in, the, or else I don't think it would have been. If you know Carrow Road, the they have three corners filled in, but one of them's a like a one tier low sitting down mm-hmm. stand. Yeah, I'm, I'd say us. So yeah, it's, it, it, it's quite low before. because if if it was their big stand they've got behind one of the goals, then maybe. Yeah. But nah, it's definitely ours by probably three or four thousand because that's how much the corner put I wanted. Okay. Thirty thousand, thirty thousand eighty nine at Stoke. Yeah. So precise. Twenty seven thousand three hundred and fifty nine yep. at Norwich. What a team. Nailed that, mate. Nailed it. Eight out of ten. See, well done. I am, I am good for some things. We have to see what it is, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. <laughs> I've got to accept it at this point, Andy. Take it. <laughs> Stiff up a lip. Take it. Um, he's good at, he's good at pointing other lifeguards towards the water, aren't you, mate? I'll tell you, you some things off call, off, off call, off um podcast about me and my work. It's good okay. news. Just remember GDPR. Um, right, okay. Well, um, let's let's call it there because I don't know how long this has been, but I'd say this is up there with one of our longest pods. But I'm sure everyone's really enjoyed it, um, yeah, as, as always. So, uh, But just a quick reminder for anyone. So if you're not following us on social media, again, like I said earlier, it's every step along the way on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so you can easily find us on there. Please interact, send us messages. Um, etc. I know a lot of people do interact on, I'll say a few people interact on the Facebook group. I want to see more people commenting on there and you know posting out, so please do so. Uh, the group is yours as much as it is ours. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll be back on the next pod. Well, we've got, well, it'll be Monday, won't it, Dan? If my, my maths and my dates are correct. We yes, it will, because Wigan we have Migan, Migan, Wigan <laughs> midweek, which we are going to. We are. Uh, we haven't decided whether we're going to do a, a vlog on or on your channel or anything yet, have we? We'll do it on the Every Step one. I've decided that right here, right now. Okay, good. Well, um, obviously, everyone can take a look at that. You can go on YouTube. We haven't really done too much on that, but that's just because of personal circumstances. But there'll be a new video going up then, by the sound of it, which is good. So, everybody, enjoy the weekend. If you're going to the match, travel safely. Uh, get us, Bring us three points back, um, and we'll hopefully be back on tuesday um and yeah be nice if we can uh, so we'll be back on monday uh but hopefully we'll get another three points on tuesday and we can start to head towards that international break on a positive so um boys thanks for joining me and i'll speak to you all at the weekend the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with three for mental health awareness week this year Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.